Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. It's not out of the question, and and uh, it would have to be, uh, I, I would think, and I, this is one of the first things I thought of, let's have our spring football in October. If we're going to have a season in January, it's just uh, we, we're going to have to wait and see if indeed we can have, and we're at a point to announce a, a, a scheduled season. So I, I think that, that that would be outstanding for all the various entities that I that I just talked about players coaches and fans uh, but it's a little too soon to discuss that because really uh, we're, we're just with them uh, the coaches are just with them for 12 hours a week they would need full 20 uh, like uh, the other conferences that aren't shut down are, are enjoying right now and hopefully we can get that changed and make some progress here so uh, people have some answers up and welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and A. Klaus as we start you off with athletic director Bill Moose, who was on the Husker Sports Network for his weekly show, or his monthly show on Tuesday, uh, was on for an hour. And I thought, guys, this was a good way to start things off, um, discussing the calendar and where things are at. Nebraska is back in what's called a 12-hour week, um, which means you get five hours of lifting, five hours of walk-through practice time with helmets, um, and then two hours of meeting times with coaches. So the uh, rest of the country that's playing gets 20 hours. The Big Ten, the Pac-12, Mac, and Mountain West get 12. So you heard kind of his thoughts there. But really we don't know what the next move is going to be. And if the Big Ten does move forward with, say, a January season, I think the thought is let's get back those 15 spring practices. Let's have them in October and ha- and then you know ha- have the ability to go back to a 20-hour week and then if you do do that, maybe a spring game in Memorial Stadium in October is kind of the optimistic view of if this January plan moves forward. Well, I know there was hope that they would get those spring practices. I guess they have 13 remaining, those back in, in the summer. I mean, back when uh, the initial ball started to roll where they canceled spring ball, you know, they were looking at maybe playing them in, or having them in June with you know maybe even a spring game in the summer. So, I mean, this is something that Nebraska has always been – hoping for and considering because they understand the value not only of those spring practices but uh, in a time of uh, economic crunch uh, being able to put together some sort of uh, public scrimmage whether it's just something that's televised or you can actually get some people in the stands whatever it may be uh, there's extreme value in that as well so uh, I mean obviously there's a lot still to be determined Uh, there's very much uh, a lot of uh, unsettled aspects to this whole situation Uh, but it sounds like if worse comes to worse and there's uh, you know absolutely going to be no football games played in the Big Ten in 2020 then at least let them have full practices get them back to the 20 hour a week model where you can put on pads uh, and actually you know make up what you were was already taken away back in the spring yeah, can, can you imagine what the <laughs> i mean what it would be like if the game if there was you know a, a de facto spring game that happened at, at some point this fall i mean the 
the buzz surrounding that, I think, like here, a Super Bowl, yeah, here. in Nebraska. Regardless, I think whether, whether a lot of not, Kevin Warren signs in the well, stadium. Oh yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I think even if even if there weren't fans in the stands, if they were able to to turn that into a a pay per view, or even if it was on, you know, there'll be fans in the stands. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there'll be some number. If they did this, I think you would get at least 30,000 fans. Yeah, because yeah. basically it's up to the school and the, the state government, right? And the mayor and, yeah. you know, your ordinances, um, health directors. But it would be interesting. I, mean, I, I even heard of another theory. How about you do three Saturday deals in October and allow a third of your season ticket holders into each one of the three? Now, Jim go. Rose came up with that idea, and I go, that's not a bad idea, Because they, they would normally do Saturday scrimmages. they just be closed, you know, during a spring ball. So why not open those up to some people? Yeah. I mean, they, they already let a bunch of people in the stands anyway with, like, the coaches' convention and all that stuff. So, I mean, it's, they, they have opportunities to, I think, have something to, to give back to the fans and give them some some form. Well, of in the economy of Lincoln downtown, I mean, exactly. I, it's not going to save anything, I mean, or really, but it would help. Yeah, well, that's yeah, it. Throw that's some, just throw them a bone a little bit. I mean, it's the i think the buzz surrounding anything uh that that they were able to to put together potentially would be just ridiculous it'd be off the charts i think you're listening here to the Husker online show sean callahan nate klaus robert washett we do know nate though recruiting visits are shut off until at least november 1st uh well through the end of october or? end of september yeah october Maybe. through september through september yeah. october 1st theoretically would be um, the best case scenario for for visits to start. So, um, but who knows? I mean, at this point in time, I don't see. I mean, I don't see any anything that gives me you know a lot of optimism surrounding the NCAA lifting the dead period at, at this point. So, I would not count on that happening. Um, and really, right now, I, I wouldn't really count on any type of visits happening this fall. So, uh, but we'll see. I mean. Stranger things have happened with the NCAA. I think right now, too, guys, it's it's kind of a, a gamble by both leagues whose plan is going to work. And obviously the three power five leagues that are going feel strongly their plan is going to work. We've already seen one game, uh, Virginia Tech, North Carolina State, have to get postponed from September 12th to September 26th because of uh, a COVID outbreak. I know Oklahoma has an entire position group out right now with COVID um, where the Big Ten is like our plan is going to be probably January, eight games over nine weeks in domes in Minneapolis and uh, places like Indianapolis and Detroit with a Big Ten title game, then maybe a Rose Bowl um, against the Pac-12 winner um, probably in April or, or something like that. So, you know, both leagues have their plan. Obviously, I, I feel like the other three have a leg up right now because they're going right away and – the college football playoff is still going to recognize them where the Big Ten and Pac-12 will not be recognized. So, obviously, Kevin Warren and his people are gambling with this idea and the plan, but um, if that's the plan they go with, I mean, you, you, you have no choice but to embrace it. Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting. Uh, early on, on Wednesday, our, our Penn State rival site, Blue and White, Illustrated just put out a report uh, basically saying, according to their sources, there's, there's a preset uh, schedule that's in the works right now 
where it would be an eight-game schedule that would begin the week after New Year's Day. Oh, it wouldn't be January 1? Yeah, likely kicking off on Wednesday, January 7th, or Thursday, January 8th, and progressing through the weekend. And the goal would be to not have games overlapping with each other, uh, so you can basically capitalize on the the TV windows, uh, no games on campuses. Uh, They would be moved to neutral sites, which are still to be determined. Every team would have at least one bye. And then, like you said, Sean, there would be a championship game between the East winner and the West winner, and then uh, the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. So sounds like there's a, a plan coming together according to you know various sources. And um, if that's the case, then you know I like the fact that they're jumping right on it, doing it in January well, have to. and getting the ball rolling, not not delaying this thing into February, March, or whatever it may be. Because the longer you wait, the bigger well, impact it's going to have on any normal of a fall season in 2021. If they don't play, Nate, it's a billion dollar hit. Yeah, I mean, so they've got to figure out something because no one in the world is built to take a billion dollar hit. Nobody. Is and and not only with schools in the Big Ten, but you're talking about two two of the <laughs> you know two are the five power uh, conferences in the nation. I mean, you I mean, you'd take those those schools out, you know, that wouldn't be able to to survive this, and you completely change the landscape of college football, maybe forever. And so that you have to you have to have something coming together. And so I mean, this plan is encouraging, still less than ideal in my opinion, but. If you are able to start it right away in in early January and and you know have have somewhat of a, a season and, and to cap it off with a Rose Bowl, um, you know I guess it's better than nothing. Uh, but I'm still you know I, I hate being pessimistic about it, but I'm still um, not completely on board, and, and I'm interested to see exactly how this will. Uh, play out if and if in fact this is the the plan that they try to uh, you know lay out for everybody all right we'll continue this discussion next you're listening here to the husker online show you're listening to the husker online show your authority on nebraska athletics uh, we're working right now on a, on a football model that uh, hopefully we can implement after the first of the year. So still lots to do in that regard. But, uh, yeah, the emotion's been up and down and all around, and I, I think we'll come out of this stronger than we went into it. But uh, it has it has been challenging, to say the least. And that was Nebraska Athletic Director Bill Moose again on his monthly radio show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, and A. Klaus here on the Husker Online Show. And, it was a tough week around Nebraska, around the athletic department. 51 employees uh, were furloughed until January 1. Um, the training table was shut off um, for athletes. And, you know, the scholarship kids that are full, basketball, volleyball, and football will get additional money on their stipend checks, $400 a piece um, added, give or take. But your partial scholarship athletes and your walk-ons will get nothing. So that's a major, major blow to a lot of student athletes at Nebraska. Then 10% pay cuts across the board um, but still Robin Nebraska when you look at cuts you know they haven't been near as aggressive as what you've seen out there around the league Iowa's cut for sports um, you hear other you know things going on out there about schools taking out financing and loans we know Nebraska's rainy day reserve fund they're going to be in a position at least for this year where they're not going to have to take out any kind of loan or financing um, to cover the loss that this year is going to be well, and yeah, that's the good news that Nebraska, because of, you know, I guess how conservative they've been and uh, through the generosity of uh, their donors, they're able to withstand this type of situation, which is about as worst case as it gets. 
far better than a lot of their peers, even you know, other schools in the Big Ten Conference. So, um, you know, they should be okay when it comes to maintaining sports, not having to take out massive loans or anything like that. Uh, but as Bill Moose mentioned on the radio the other night, it's it's not sustainable. I mean, this is something that could at best get them through one year, and then they have to start looking at other ways to uh, make back some of that money. So um, the hope is that this remains a temporary situation, but if this is extended any further on into 2021, then um, we're already hoping, uh, then that's uh, probably going to create some some dominoes that are going to fall that'll look a lot like what other schools are doing right now. Yeah, all these years of Nebraska, or you know, people like us maybe taking, taking some jabs at Nebraska for doing things on the cheap or or looking for looking on the sale rack, so to speak, um, in certain instances, actually may may pay off in the long run. Um, you know, them having those extra funds and not taking out loans and whatnot, and extra financing, um, you know, is is something that could eventually pay off um, huge down the road. It, it maybe give them a big advantage and, and level the playing field, so to speak, uh, with, with some other power, uh, you know, some of the power teams in the conference. Yeah, it's going to be interesting long-term what this does to the game. I mean, one thing I don't expect, guys, are coaches being fired this year. I, I don't think schools are going to be in a position um, where they're going to be able to pay out big, massive lottery ticket buyouts to coaches. It just – Right now, it does not make sense. You've got to live with the decision you made um, with the coach you hired because I don't think a lot of people are going to be interested to pay out $20, $30 million to, to football coaches this year. Um, I think long term, could we see some of these buyouts go away? Um, could that be? Could COVID-19 and these problems lead to a trend in contracts where schools say, no, we're not giving you this lottery ticket buyout anymore. It, we've got to change the way we do business. Or will, has the territory ever been marked? I, mean, I would really be interested to see just how some of these things long-term look as far as coaches' contracts and the money that these schools are on the hook for. I think we've finally reached a breaking point with college athletics spending. I mean, it was getting so wildly out of control that the money that was being thrown around in all venues, whether it be contracts or facilities or uh, whatever, uh, was so outrageous that you know it, it had to kind of implode at some point. And now uh, it took a pandemic to do it, yeah. but I think things might be uh, kind of reverting back a little bit to where uh, people need to be a little bit more conscious about their spending and realize that uh, just because things are rich now doesn't mean it can't very quickly be taken away from you and you know luckily again you know Nebraska obviously they made a lot some some questionable decisions you know I'm sure that they'd love to have all that coach head coach buyout money that they spent over the last decade yeah. back right now but uh they they're being rewarded right now because of the way that they kind of uh were a bit cautious while also trying to keep up with the Joneses when it comes to facilities and all that stuff. Yeah, I'm still, again, I'm going to be a little pessimistic there. Um, as much as, you know, teams are going to have to pump the brakes here on spending for, for the short term, I still think that um, once this passes, hopefully sooner than later, um, things will probably get ramped right back up and, and there will be quite the arms race for facilities and and you know the coordinator salaries and coaching salaries in general will probably go uh, go a little crazy again. But yeah, certainly in the in the short term, I think we're going to see um, you know very little spending uh, or frivolous spending at least. Well, one thing Bill Moose did say is he will not cut a sport at Nebraska. I think that was refreshing to hear. And to be honest, guys, Nebraska cut men's swimming uh, back in 2000. Um, you know, and there was a point where gymnastics was close to getting cut. 
uh, men's gymnastics, and they they kept that here. I mean, Bill Byrne years ago stood on a table to keep gymnastics going in the history here. They just built a new facility for gymnastics. I just can't see, you know, another sport being cut right now. I mean, when you start to make that move, is it, you know, you got to look at gymnastics or golf. Um, Nebraska doesn't really have any men's sports that they could really touch at this point. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you got to kind of walk the Title IX line on this whole thing too to where you know you can't just ask sports just left and right you have to be pretty balanced diligent in what gets cut and yeah like you said football takes up such a big piece of the men's uh, athletic side of it that uh, there's just not a lot of men's sports out there that you can cut and you know that's another question long term of you know how much longer to do universities carry full sports teams i mean you know do you carry rowing and all that stuff uh and eventually just kind of pare it down to the money makers i mean at some point uh, if you want to keep operating at the level you're operating and the money can situation being what it is right now um, i think that might reshape just kind of how the whole operation uh is handled and especially you know again if, if you're basically what businesses keep on entities that operate at a loss i mean college football or college athletics is one of the few multi-billion dollar industries that that does that and so i just wonder if what their long-term ripple effect of all this is going to be yeah, I think a lot of it will have to do with what type of infrastructure is already in place. Like, Sean, you mentioned gymnastics in their new building. I mean, that was oh, a $20 million dollar oh, yeah. build, building. That Ten, just, men's tennis just opened a new complex. Exactly, yeah. And I know there's – I think golf had has a new facility or new things in, in the works. And, yeah, I think there's a lot of – I think it would be, be kind of hard to go and cut gymnastics when – you had donors <laughs> donate millions of dollars towards a brand new twenty plus million dollar facility. So I think a, lot, a lot of it probably does have to do with the you know the infrastructure and what's already you know on campus. But at Nebraska, I think if you cut, I mean if you cut a men's a men's sport or um, you know it, it would you probably if you wanted to get rid of one sport you'd probably have to get rid of three or four to make it even with Title Nine and everything. Well. It wouldn't really matter. Right? I mean, does it have to be equal men's and women's or can the women just have more regard? I mean, it, the women's has to they have to have more regard. So if you just cut, let's just say hypothetically, you cut gymnastics and you cut golf, you know, then you wouldn't have to do anything on the women's side at that point. Right. I mean, there's no. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be even. There just has to be was it even or more. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm talking like to as far as, you know, your your fiscal spending um and, and cutting programs that are that are taking you know a lot of a lot of loss uh and try to try to balance the budget so to speak um you know i, I don't know if axing just one men's sport would do it would do it well especially those sports they don't spend a ton yeah now the women's swimming i mean if you were to cut like two men's sports to equal out those scholarships and then women's spending swimming who i mean nebraska's swimming facility is the worst in the country yeah um, I mean, if they want to continue to have swimming here, they need to upgrade that pool facility. And it's not cheap to operate. No. That. And there was talks about having a facility co-shared with the university uh, campus rec, um, you know, and build like a really nice aquatic center here. I don't know where that's at now anymore um, because they got to get that football building up. I mean, yep. that and they've got the money pledged or raised for that. But I think it's more the optics. You've heard Ronnie Green and Moose say. Maybe a uh, maybe a year from now, uh, but they can't do anything until Gary Pepin has a track. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, you can't put a shovel in the ground 
over there now until there's a track. Because what are you going to do? Make your track guys start running at Lincoln High? I mean, there's no there's nowhere to make them run. I mean, they, those kids have to have a track before you put a shovel in the ground. And right now, it's too late for that to happen. Yeah, and so I mean, uh, it's I think some some long term reevaluation of just how athletic departments are run i mean probably are going to be considered maybe not so much at a school like nebraska that has a little bit more stability but you know you look at some of these other schools that are taking out these massive multi-million dollar loans just to make it through one fiscal year uh, i mean there's going to be some real questions that need to be answered down the road think about the interest rate at 3.75 on Ugh. on 80 million or something <laughs> <laughs> i'd rather not think about no that. thanks well th- th- that right there that gets you gets me back to the the core of the issue here what what university president like i just don't how they voted or or didn't vote or whatever like this decision in the first place like who's signing up for this type of like financial pressure mm-hmm. I, I just i don't know you're talking about presidents who have never actually owned or operated their own businesses before but it's easy to Make decisions with money that's not yours because athletics operates separately. Yeah, I know it's separate, but well, at most schools it's separate. Do you think Nebraska will be on the hook to pay the ten million dollars that they give back to? You? <laughs> I, mean, I don't think they'll be on. They shouldn't be on. They the shouldn't hook. be. In I mean, my that's opinion. a gift from the athletic department to the university. So, I mean, I don't think that's something that the university is technically should count on mm-hmm. every year. Because 20% of UNL students now are on what's called the Husker Power Scholarship yeah. provided by that $10 million a year. So, yeah, that, Steve Rosen has a lot of work ahead of him in the coming months for our big, <laughs> yes, our big red does. business writer on Husker Online. All right, when we come back, Nebraska basketball assistant coach Matt Abdelmazi will join us. We can't talk Hunter Salas because um, he can't talk about recruits, but we do hit on in-state and um, some of those topics. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Though there there has been no decision as to when that season would start, it could very well uh, have to begin after the first of the year as well. But that has not been determined uh, in, in the Big Ten, so we'll see where that goes. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washed, as you just heard, Nebraska Athletic Director Bill Moose on Tuesday night kind of discussing the hypotheticals of when a college basketball season will start. And uh, we're pleased to be joined on the show by Nebraska basketball assistant coach Matt Abdelmazi. And coach, I want to get right to that. There have been four models tossed out there about a hypothetical of when the college basketball season will start play. Just from your conversations with Coach Fred Hoiberg, where are you guys leaning? What would be your choice of those four options that have been laid out there on the table? It's great to be back with you guys. Uh, Ultimately for us, we just want to play basketball. So whatever option they choose, we're going to be ready to go. We've been really fortunate enough to have almost our entire team here for the majority of the summer. Uh, Certainly uh, to us, seems relative to everywhere else that we're in a great position when it comes to that and the support that the university and and the state government has given with the accessibility and all the protocols set up within the university has been tremendous our guys have abided by all of them and it's put us in a position where we haven't had any stop in in our daily activities with our guys Um, but when it comes to the start i mean ideally listen if you could start on time you know, uninterrupted, that's awesome. But at the end of the day, those problems are way above my pay grade and, you know, ultimately feel very comfortable that the NCAA is going to make the right decision 
that uh, is is in the right uh, benefit for for the student athletes. Well, I guess you know for your guys right now, uh, you know you've been, you talked about what they've been able to do kind of up to this point. I know that there's talk about um, maybe reaching a decision on the start of the schedule uh, sometime next month, but uh, you know it seems like the guys are kind of in flux right now. Um, you know, obviously not knowing when the season is going to start and then some of the aftermath of, um, the, the measures taken by the university to, I guess, cut back costs in the athletic department, uh, particularly losing out on the training table. Just, just what have you guys, has your guys been going through and, and as a staff, uh, what types of things are you doing to, to keep them, I guess, focused and, and on track and not kind of getting uh, too down about, uh, just the whole reality of the, the current situation. Well, to me, in a situation like this and then in any crisis, I mean, you need to have elite leadership. We're fortunate enough with uh, Fred Hoiberg being the head coach, the communications always on point, all the way dating back to, to April when things were really starting to take off and, and things were shutting down, you know, constant communication with our returning players about where things are at, what the protocols will look like, you know, what it's going to look like when they get back. And that hasn't changed since we have our guys here. You know, we're constantly talking to them about what exactly is going on. Every Wednesday, we have a yoga session. And after the yoga session, Coach always sits the guys down and talk about a wide range of topics. You know, specifically, a lot of it always usually has to do with current events and and all the, the tension that's going on around the country and just making sure there's an open dialogue and you know, they ask questions and, you know, the, the dialogue has been so productive. And um, on top of that, just with what's going on in, in the state of college basketball, that's a time we always use. So, you know, we're trying to give them updates literally once a week. If there's anything that comes up, coach immediately talks to them about it. So I think what has, that has caused a ease in frustration and stress and doubt from our players um, and they've been phenomenal at focusing on what they can control. That's the big thing that we keep stressing to them is, you know, we really feel like this season is going to be about which team is most disciplined and not so much on the court, but off the court on just properly making sure they abide by whatever protocols are set in place. And up to this point, our guys have done nothing but a phenomenal job with that. Yeah, I was going to just ask you just kind of where, um, you know, your impression of the team is right now. I mean, obviously you got a lot of voluntary workouts and not a lot of just full team work, but, uh, you know, given mm-hmm. that the importance of, you know, this needing to be a, a disciplined, unified team, and, you know, you, you finally just got back uh, your, your complete scholarship roster on campus at the start of the school year, uh, I guess how has that mm-hmm. process gone in terms of just building the locker room, building that chemistry and becoming, you know, one, one unified team? Yeah, we're we're really pleased and and uh, ecstatic about the group of players that are going to represent the University of Nebraska this season. They work extremely hard. The chemistry has taken care of itself, and that to me is a is an ingredient that's the most powerful in correlating to success. And we uh, feel like that has happened. We haven't had to do much of anything to create that atmosphere of togetherness they've done it on their own a lot of that has to do when you deal with older experienced kids that know that this is their last go around they have to make it work uh they're going to make it work and we've seen that on a daily basis in our program um it certainly seems like they're very together um they get along 
the competition on the court has been phenomenal. They challenge each other, and there, there's no hard feelings. They're not sensitive, which is another great sign of, of a really strong, cohesive group that is going to stay together through a difficult time. Um, just their overall work ethic uh, is, is night and day. You know, and, of course, we've talked about it, guys, at length. You know, when you take over a program that has so many openings when you walk into the door, you know, for us, we knew that the first year was going to be challenging and, and not even challenging just on the court, just challenging at building a program, building a culture that you can see as sustainable. Nebraska basketball assistant coach Matt Abdelmazi joining us here on the Husker Online show as we hit on a number of different topics. What else you got, Robin? Well, yeah, Matt, I know you obviously can't talk about specific recruits, nor nor would you, but uh, I just wanted to get maybe a, a rehash of your guys' recruiting philosophy in rebuilding Nebraska basketball, and specifically when it comes to high-profile recruits and, you know, guys that maybe would be locally or have really high fan interest, uh, you know, how do you balance, you know, just the uh, the recruiting profile while also putting together what you need and what would actually be a fit for, for the program you're trying to build? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, I mean, in-state recruiting is always an important priority to any program in the country. And for us specifically, you know, certainly we want to attract the best players to come to Lincoln. And we know that eventually there'll be kids that grow up, a generation that grows up, seeing Nebraska win consistently at a high level where they can call that their dream school. So with that being said, you have to be realistic when you approach this. We've only been in Nebraska for 15, 16 months. And we know the season that we had, it was challenging. And that's where we pride ourselves on just attracting the best talent possible with however, whatever avenue um, that leads us down, whether it's via high school, JUCO, international, transfers. We've always pride ourselves on that. And with that comes a unique style of, of building a roster. Um, you know, ideally for us, our mindset has always been to to get old and stay old. Uh, it's put us in a position to, to win at a high level. And, you know, we'll continue to always do that. And when I say get old and stay old, you know, yeah, you're taking older kids, whether that's JUCO kids and transfers, experienced kids that are mature, and then you sprinkle it in with your, you know, one, two, or three high school kids and, um, you know, they're able to get on-the-job training, I like to call it, and, uh, you know, mature in front of your eyes and hopefully grow into being a, a high-level player for yourself. Um, but there's no denying 40% of men's basketball student-athletes transfer by their sophomore year. There's no denying that. There's no running away from that. It is what it is, and the transfer game in the spring has somewhat turned into equivalent to what NBA free agency is. And there's no NBA organization that's building through exclusively the draft. Um, you know, in NBA history, there might be a few organizations that have hit the jackpot on getting multiple players that have been huge impact guys. And, you know, that's how we look at the transfer market is, is you know, it's an opportunity to get a seasoned player that, most likely has proven themselves at whatever level they came from 
and to step right in and, and contribute at a high level Big Ten uh, competition. But, you know, um, we're always going to make sure we do our due diligence with any player that comes across um, our desk with whatever background they have, wherever they're coming from, and uh, always put the program in a position where we're attracting the best players we can get here because we know that eventually, like I led with when you asked this question, is when when you're playing on TV and you have a number beside your name, that is what we're playing for at Nebraska, is we want to be looked at as a program that is in the top 25 week in and week out where the exposure is there to where kids realize that this is something they want to be a part of. And, you know, we feel like we're well on our way there with the group that we have going into year two. And, and you know, we feel really good about putting together a great 2021 class that, uh, you know, will attract high-level players from all kinds of parts of the country. And, you know, and that's what we'll do. You know, piece by piece we can build it. And, you know, the great thing about our sport is, you know, one player can change the trajectory of everything that you're doing. And, uh, you know, we'll, we are, are going to change what Nebraska basketball is perceived as, and we're really excited about that. Well, Coach, we really appreciate the time and uh, look forward to getting a chance to talk to you here over this extended offseason as we ramp up things here for 2021. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Matt. All right, Nebraska basketball assistant coach Matt Abdelmazi, our guest. When we come back, we'll take your questions in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Thanks to our great fans, uh, we have a very nice uh, reserve, but we want to make sure that we're not going in and and taking the whole thing. And and, uh, so that's why these moves uh, to lower our expense uh, budget have taken place. We are not going to be in a in a situation where we have to take out a loan. There's be many uh, in the Big Ten and again across uh, the country that are they're going to have to look at that because they're not as fortunate as we are to have a um, a reserve that we can dip into. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. And Nate Klaus as Athletic Director Bill Moose there again talking about not having to dip into those reserves. Guys, it's time for the mailbag. I want to get right to it. First question here on the mailbag. Basically, what are the percent percent chances of having what's called a JV season, hence a January season? And I think we've hit on this a little bit, but I'm, I'm very confident that the Big Ten will play some sort of football season. Um, whether there's some sort of late plan, which is a long shot at this point to scrape together a late fall plan. But I think, as we know, January, February seems like where it's heading today. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as we've learned throughout this whole process, nothing is guaranteed until the ball is actually kicked off and and the the clock starts. uh, There's always a chance that it could be set back. But it seems like the wheels are very much in motion to already uh, have a January plan in place. And, um, you know, hopefully that stays on track and we get something in 2021. I mean, they've got to. They've got to figure something out, whether – whether it's a full, you know, eight game spring, winter, whatever you want to call it, JV season, like we've kind of talked about and, and, you know, like some people have kind of laid out there or, or what, I mean, they've got to play some sort of football um, to, uh, and it's, I mean, to, to keep everyone financially healthy or, or try to keep everyone as healthy as possible. So 
Um, yeah, I, I think it will happen um, at some point. I just who knows what it's going to look like. I'm that I'm not so not so sure about. All right, next question: What are Nebraska's players doing right now? Well, I can tell you, the players got in the weight room here on Wednesday, um, which is today for the first time. That's the first organized activity they've done and now what's allowed at 12 hours a week which that started on monday they do plan to practice a couple of times a week um which they can't wear pads they can wear helmets i believe and have modified you know workouts and practices on the field walkthrough type deals or um you know nothing with shoulder pads on or contact so um they're gonna try at this point to keep guys sharp until they know what the next plan is but you know another thing too is the testing and the procedures. I mean, you got to kind of start from square one. I mean, you essentially have sent your kids off to God knows where for the last two or three weeks. And I think reestablishing protocols and safety, that's going to take some time. Yeah, I mean, it's going to take at least uh, a couple weeks for things to get close to where they were uh, when everybody was on campus in the uh, bubble, so to speak, of, of the program. Uh, that all kind of got set back when, you know, they, they had to send everybody back home. So, uh, I mean, this is the start of that. Um, and I'm sure it's going to be pretty limited work uh, over the next couple of weeks until they have a better handle again on just what they're dealing with and um, getting guys kind of back under that control that they had them before a few weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, that's that's got to be a nightmare logistically when you you had everything set up and now all of a sudden um it got taken away and now you know you've introduced the regular student body to campus and and you've got to reestablish some sort of control uh controlled environment or as controlled as you can get um you know that's that's got to be kind of frustrating for the administrators coaches and whatnot uh that to kind of have to deal with that but that's i mean they're going to have to do their best there Taking your questions here in the mailbag, Nate, have a recruiting one here. And, you know, it's a good year in the area for a bunch of 6'6 type kids that are athletes that can play a lot of spots. And i got a question here. You know, assuming Nebraska gets A.J. Rollins, Thomas Fedoni, and maybe they offer James Carney out of Norris, what are the chances that maybe a Rollins or a Carney or both could play outside linebacker on defense? I would – I mean – yeah, they. I, I think there's those guys have the ability to. Um, I would say that James Carney probably is more likely to be an outside linebacker um, than than AJ Rollins. Uh, from what I've seen from Rollins, he's super athletic, very very gifted kid. Um, I just am not sure that he's got the mentality to play on that side of the football. Um, you know, and, and I could I could definitely be wrong. Um, they, you know, the, both those guys, Rollins and Carney, I think they kind of fit the prototype as far as length and, length and yeah, and athleticism and, and height and, and everything else that Nebraska wants at that position. Um, it's just kind of seeing it on film. Uh, I've watched Rollins play it in person and I think he's definitely more of an offensive player. Uh, now Carney will be playing defense this fall and, um, and I know he's eager to, to show coaches that he can play uh, both tight end or on, on defense. Um, and so I, I would say out of those two, Carney's probably the more likely to, to get an offer as, a, as an outside linebacker. Got a hoops recruiting question for you, Robin. We couldn't ask Matt Abdelmazi about uh, <laughs> what happened there with Hunter Salas. I'm going to ask you directly. What the hell happened with Hunter Salas? How did Nebraska not make his final 12? Yeah, I mean, to be quite honest, uh, 
I don't know. I figured at least just for the optics of it, Hunter would include Nebraska in the 12. But, uh, you know, I think that kind of shows just how far that relationship had kind of dwindled. Now, keep in mind, this new staff, they were late to the party. Now, Nebraska offered Hunter. uh, They were one of the first ones, I think maybe the third high major school, Division I school to offer him. Uh, but that was the previous staff. And when the coaching transition happened, they basically had to start from scratch and uh, had to get to know each other a little bit more. And, um, you know, as Matt said in the interview, Matt Abdomasi, you know, they're, they're not going to uh, go above and beyond to win one single recruit if it were to come at the expense of, uh, you know, what they're building. So I think that was part of the deal where that relationship never quite clicked the way it did uh, under Tim Miles. Now, here's a thing that I know has been said before, and I agree with it. If this is ironic in a lot of ways, but if Tim Miles and his staff, particularly Michael Lewis and Kenya Hunter, were still here at Nebraska, I have zero doubt Hunter South would have had Nebraska in his top 12. But um, when, when things got reset the way they did, uh, it never got back to um, the relationship level that it was before those, that staff was let go. So it's unfortunate, it's disappointing, but Nebraska wasn't going to get him, and now both sides can kind of turn the page and, and move on in their respective directions. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. I uh, got a Jim Delaney question. Do you think Jim Delaney would have handled the situation better than Kevin Warren? I don't think anybody in here is going to um, disagree. Um, yeah, obviously Delaney would have handled it right. I think the biggest thing I would have liked to have seen when you look back at it now is, number one, kick it down the road a little longer, give more time to think on such an important decision. And number two, let the athletic directors, let the medical people and let the presidents all talk together. Instead, Kevin Warren kept all of those groups as Tom or um, Sam McEwen wrote in the World Herald in separate silos. Bill Moose used that phrase. We were in one silo, they were in another. And Warren just went from silo to silo versus talking as a group to everybody. And I think group communication maybe could have led to a different decision. Yeah, what a concept, huh? Uh, yeah, my, my thinking is even if Jim Delaney ultimately came to the same decision to postpone, uh, the 2020 fall football season, uh, it, he would have been much more transparent. He would have actually explained why he did it, and he wouldn't have cared what anybody thought. Whereas uh, this cloak of secrecy that you know the Big Ten and, and Kevin Warren are operating under, where no one seems to have any idea what's going on, that's the biggest problem of all of this. And if it were Jim Delaney, he would have put his foot down and handled things the way he always does and told you why he made the decision, and we would have gone forward from there. Yeah, with Delaney, you you knew exactly where you stood at all times. I mean, he was he was pretty pretty clear in um, in the direction that he wanted to go, and and there was no, um, I mean, there was really no no secrecy. I, I think everyone w- was on the same page. Uh, now, whether they always agreed with him or not, you know, that's a different story. But I think that um, you know he always had he always had the best interests of the conference in mind, and and of all the members uh, in the conference, and. Um, and the way that Kevin Warren has handled this whole thing, whether he's responsible or not, you know, I, I've gotten a lot of pushback. Some people have said, you know, what well, you should be upset with the presidents and the chancellors, you know, at the conference, not not Kevin Warren or whatever. But it doesn't matter. I, I think that the way that he's handled it and has kept everybody kind of in the in the dark here and separated, um, you know, that's that's the biggest problem of all. All right, when we come back, we are going to close the show in the um, with recruiting talk as the Huskers have had a busy week. We'll get Nate Klaus's thoughts on that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. 
You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We're doing everything we can within the confines of what we're permitted to do, and we continue, I know, to uh, to see that we're getting commitments in a variety of sports. Uh, baseball's really been impressive, but uh, we've got some good football talent that uh, is committed to us. We just want to make sure we can hang on to them all and uh, fill in some of these gaps that we're looking for. So, And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Final segment, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. That was Athletic Director Bill Moose on recruiting and how you operate going forward. But before we get to recruiting talk with Nate Klaus, the segment, Nate, of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by our friends at Kugler Vision. It's been nearly a year, Nate, and you'll be back out at high school football games again this week. No glasses, no binoculars needed. Yeah, I'm so glad about that. Uh, First of all, happy to have football back, but so glad and happy to uh, not have to be squinting to see jersey numbers and and or needing to wear my glasses um whether at the game or or driving to and from and um you know and, and that's all thanks to kugler vision and just how easy and simple they made the entire uh, vision correction process uh there for me uh still a year later could not be happier with with the service and everything that they've provided um not only giving me better than 2020 vision but the follow-up service too has just been fantastic so um you know i highly encourage you to check out what they can do for you go to kuglervision.com take the online quiz and schedule that free consultation today all right nate well a lot of recruiting news this week and let's get right to it the big news of the week Thomas Fedoni announces his commitment to Nebraska Wednesday night on Channel 7, our television partner, um, on their football special. I mean, you you look at guys that they had to get. Thomas Fedoni is the top-ranked player, I believe at least now, of any bordering state to Nebraska at this point. Yeah, yeah. He's he's the best, the top-ranked player in the entire region. In the 500-mile radius. Yeah. Um, And and uh, Teddy Prohaska is is not far behind him, but – uh, Fedoni leads the way there. He's the number two tight end overall. He's a 6.0 four-star um, prospect, according to Rivals, which which is basically you know one notch below being a five-star. And this is a guy that Nebraska, I think, had to get in this class. And uh, you know, I, I always hate saying that. Well, you know, this this kid is a make-or-break uh, recruit for for Nebraska in this recruiting class because. You know, in, in in a class of twenty to twenty five recruits, I think sometimes it can be hard or or maybe a little hyperbolic to to say, well, not getting this one kid just ruined the entire class. But I think had they missed out on Thomas Fedoni, that w- certainly would have been a huge black eye on this class because he's a kid who's fifty five miles or sixty miles down the road, uh, grew up a Nebraska fan. Um, you know, in, in played as a position that they desperately needed in this recruiting class. They, they're taking three tight ends in the class. They didn't sign any last year, and the one they signed um, two years ago is, is now fully entrenched at uh, the wide receiver position at Chris Hickman. So getting him, not only is he, you know, the, on an all-world talent as far as, uh, you know, potential at the tight end position, but 
everything else that he brings to the table too is is just a perfect perfect fit for this program as far as the type of kids they're wanting to bring in um and all his attributes i mean he's such a leader and and, uh you know competitor off the field uh as well as on it i I think he's just he's a game changer for this program and you know nebraska nate they were on him from the get-go i mean correct me if i'm wrong were they his first or one of his very first offers yeah they were i believe they were his second offer um you know right there with with iowa in Iowa State I can't remember I'm trying to recall who was who was the first but basically it was Nebraska Iowa Iowa State all within you know a a week or so of each other uh, there in in late September of last year and it was about a week after Nebraska offered when he just absolutely started to blow up and and more and more offers started to come and then when he went down to the U.S. Army, um, or the well, it's not the U.S. Army Combine now, but the underclassmen combine in San Antonio, um, and won MVP at the tight end position. That's when all the the you know the, a lot of the national offers. He went from like a two fifty guy to a true national one hundred. Yeah, guy to a top time. fifty, you know, overall kid, and uh, you know that's when the Alabamas and the LSU's and and those types of programs offered. So. Um, yeah, Nebraska was in on the ground floor here, and uh, you know, and I, I'll never forget talking to him after he got that offer uh, in late September, and and you could just tell that it, that meant an awful lot to him, and um, you know, him telling me how big of a fan he was of Nebraska growing up. Um, he know, has Husker posters in his room. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his room is full of Nebraska gear um, or in, in Nebraska posters. And his dad's a huge Husker fan. Dad is a huge Husker fan. His family, his his uncles. Every, I mean, every all of his family are are very big Nebraska fans. And so, um, and I remember thinking to myself after that very first interview that I did with him after he got the offer, I'm like, oh boy, Nebraska's in a good spot here. Um, you know, if they can continue to to recruit him well and show him the attention uh, that he deserves. I think there's a good chance they're going to get him. And, and sure enough, that's how it played out. And so. Nate, they stayed in the area and got another, I want to call it a surprise commit, but I mean, he got his offer Friday, he committed Monday morning at like 7 a.m. Yeah. Um, luckily, I had not left my house before I took my kids to school and Kobe Brett's left us about a 30-minute window to get his interview and story yeah. posted. Um, but Kobe Brett's Omaha West Side um, announces to Nebraska and you know he's a six-two athletic specimen. Um, you know Mike Mattia and three and out this week had some interesting comments from Brett Freund. Like, you know he can do things off a diving board. You'll never see a guy like him do. He's the kind of guy that can do backflips and front flips and jump around on the football field. I mean he's an athletic specimen. Yeah. And he played hurt last year. Yeah, he played hurt last year. So I mean his and his film is outstanding. Um, you you watch some of the things that he did on film for Westside. And, uh, you know, I, I watched him play three times in person. And I've said this multiple times on the record. Um, there's a lot of talent on that West Side team as far as underclassmen go. And, uh, you know, and we all know Avante Dickerson is the four star and, and Cole Payton is, is uh, the quarterback that's that's committed to North Dakota State. And, um, you know, Haberman is committed to, to Northern Illinois. Well, you know, Kobe Bretts, every time I watched him play last year, Kobe Bretts was, was the underclassman that I walked away from going, holy cow, that kid's really good. And, um, you know, it, it, sure enough, the offers started coming in. And he had a little, you know, a few academic hurdles that he had to overcome. And that kind of stunted, I think, a lot of the early offers. But he is a specimen, um, 6'2", almost 200 pounds, and can, you know, tremendous. You talk about the, the flips and everything, you know, he's, with that diving background, he's got tremendous body control. But 
Um, I like the fact that he is somebody that could play safety, but maybe could grow into an outside linebacker down the road, kind of be, you know, maybe a little bit of a, a Jojo Doman type of guy or Luke Gifford, Javen Wright, you know, those, those types Isaac of, Gifford, even. Isaac Gifford. Yeah. Those, those types of, of bodies, uh, that are athletic that can cover, but are also very physical and come downhill and help in the run game. And, uh, I think that's what you're getting with Kobe Bretts. And I think it's very smart that Nebraska offered now and we're, we're able to wrap up his commitment because he was somebody that was going to gain a lot of attention this season. Uh, there was a lot of schools that were wanting to see a little bit more um, or that were just kind of starting to hear that, hey, uh, he has taken care of his stuff in the, in the classroom and um, we're, we're getting close to offering. Yeah, when, when you look at that West Side team, Nate, four Division One guys on there, Vontae Dickerson going to Minnesota, um, then, then you've got Cole Payton going to North Dakota State and Kate Haberman going to um, Northern Illinois. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a loaded, loaded roster of talent, and you'll get a chance on Thursday, obviously, to see those guys play. Yeah, yeah I'm really looking AJ for, Rollins too. Yeah, and looking forward to seeing um, to seeing Westside play. Uh, Creighton Prep was that was that that game last year, and uh, you know that that was a highly entertaining game last year too. So. Um, yeah, to see two potential – well, Brett's is committed to Nebraska and, and A.J. Rollins is, um, I think, nearing – closing in on his decision too, and it looks to be like Nebraska's, you know, in, in a good spot to potentially wrap him up. So really looking forward to seeing those two kind of go toe-to-toe and, and maybe even, you know, they're going to get to know one another on the field too. Um, you know, I, I could see uh, Brett's matching up with uh, with Rollins there quite a, quite a bit. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that matchup. Well, high school football is back. Nate, Robin, Greg, myself, intern Blake Arney, we are going to be out in full force looking forward to um, – getting the chance to get out to a lot more games this year um, than normal uh, with our team because of the no Husker football. So uh, make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com as we will have full coverage throughout the weekend of several different Husker prospect and Husker commit games. Uh, thanks again here as we uh, make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.